Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to this next special edition of the Square Ball Podcast as we talk about Moscow's 100 Years of Leeds United book, which is on sale now. Audible also have the audio book for you to listen to. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And the bloke who wrote it. Author. Best-selling. What's, what do I have to say? Stop pointing that gun at me. It's uh, Sunday Times best-selling author. Daniel, Daniel Chapman. Chapman. Yeah. yeah. AKA Just, Moscow. Yeah, you can call me Moscow. This one then, part two, the second little mini podcast instalment, they say you should never go back because Leeds fans, we always clamour for our ex-players, but should you? That's the question. Harry Reynolds also had doubts, but not about Revy. The question for the board was whether to wait for the work being done with schoolboys to develop, a process that could take years of losses they couldn't afford, or to hang the expense, find what money they could, rescue the team from relegation and throw everything at promotion. With relegation looming, they bought players. Revy wanted six, but got three. Ian Lawson, Cliff Mason and Bobby Collins, a forward, a defender and a midfielder. They added enough to keep Leeds in the second division, just. Five consecutive draws and a final day win salvaged the cause. Then, while not disregarding Revy's efforts with the youths, Reynolds still had the confidence to let Revy do things his way the board did something its way, spending £53,000 to buy John Charles. It took three months of very public, high-profile negotiations to bring King John back from exile. His years in Italy had been extraordinary. In his first season, Juventus were transformed from also-rans to champions. Charles' 28 goals, making him Serie A's top goalscorer. He helped Juventus win two more league titles, the Coppa Italia twice and reached the quarter-finals of the European Cup. He scored 108 goals in 155 games and earned the adoration of the fans. They called him Il Gigante Buono, the gentle giant, for his habit of stopping games to tend to an injured opponent, despite being kicked into hospital several times himself. He'd become a pop star with a recording of 16 tons, part-owned a restaurant and mixed with film stars like Sophia Loren. It was all very different to Leeds, and that thought never left him. He'd been talking about coming home since the end of his first season. Partly, it was professional pride. Charles had learned to enjoy the limelight, and while he was great friends with forward Omar Sivori, he didn't always like how Juventus were playing to Sivori's strengths rather than his. Juventus had also made it difficult for Charles to play internationally for Wales. But there were personal reasons too. He missed home, and he and Peggy wanted to raise their children in Britain. Juventus chairman Umberto Agnelli offered Charles another fortune to stay, and only agreed with great reluctance and out of respect for Charles to meet Leeds at the airport in Turin to discuss their offer. 
but he made a crucial mistake by taking Charles with him, above the protests of Leeds, who weren't used to a player being involved in negotiations. Revy seized his chance, charming Charles into his team, describing how they would play to King John's strengths, how many goals Johansson and Bremner would lay on with tempting crosses, how celebrated the prodigal son would be when promotion was achieved. Charles was persuaded. He was going back to Leeds. So Revy's second full season, we're heading into the summer of 1962, and please can we have John Charles back, because we're trying to build a promotion side. It all sounds very familiar. Yes, getting a. Uh, there were two ways they they could have gone at this time. They were, they were going with both really. Don Revy, when he took over, went over to see Matt Busby, the manager of Manchester United, of of all people. But he he really respected him, and um, and it was I suppose if you if you go back, it was actually good of of Busby to invite him in for a chat. And Revy basically said, "What I'm planning to do at Leeds is try to build from youth. I want to get." kids in as, as boys and teach them what it means to be Leeds United. Leeds United minded was the phrase he was really concentrated on. Raise them and that's how I'll build a team. And Matt Busby basically said, yep, I think that's a really good idea. Didn't actually give him much advice because Revy had, it might have been a confidence thing, but he'd worked it out already. Problem with that was you did have at this time, you Bremner was already in the, the first team. You had kids. Uh, Norman Hunter was a teenager. He was basically a child, but Peter Lorimer was coming through. They were starting to appear in the youth team, but Leeds were still struggling in the, the second division. And Reeve's first season hadn't really kicked off. We were as close to being relegated as we were to, to promotion. So summer 62, it was, how do we make a, a splash? How do we do something to kind of jolt the club out of its uh, its lethargy? And spending an absolute fortune on John Charles, for some reason, seemed to be the um, the idea that they went with. Which you can understand because he he only had one season for Leeds in the the first division and had to be sold. The only reason he was really sold was because the West Standard burnt down as soon as we got into the top flight and we we couldn't afford to rebuild it unless we sold him to Juventus. He'd been brilliant over there. He was willing to come home. I think it's significant as well that John Charles, although he was Welsh, raised in, in Swansea, considered Leeds to be home. It was always a struggle to get him away from, from Leeds. Juventus were quite... Uh, fortunate that he went there because he, he resisted Arsenal, Cardiff were always after him. He never fancied moving away from Leeds because he lived so close to Welland Road that he used to wake up about 10 minutes before training and just go straight in and train and go home again. Um, so life was always very easy for him in in Leeds and it was very different for him in, in Juventus, which I think he enjoyed. So they hoped who wouldn't enjoy opening restaurants with Sophia Loren. Sounds awful. How do, you, how do you imagine what they talked about? Football, probably. <laughs> I mean, that was basically what he knew. He, he he did get involved in a lot of stuff in, in Italy with businesses and having a pop career and all the stuff that was... I'm not sure how well it ever suited him because he always stayed quite a, a quiet, humble, gentle giant type. And the return home, it all just seemed to, to make sense. And we did have the players, like, if you put a and Albert Johansson cross into the box onto John Charles's head, that should have meant goals. What's the modern equivalent then for this this homecoming, if you're going to, like, so people can understand? Like when Danny Pugh came back. Ah, that's sort of thing. You remember the street parties in Leeds, don't you, when Pugh re-signed? Well, in many ways, they've never stopped. <laughs> 
We do have that habit, though, of really begging for players to to come back. We always look for the the old names, and I was, I was trying to compare it. It would be like if at the start of last season, when Bielsa had just taken over, we had signed James Milner straight away. But then it would be as if if Milner was as good as Lionel Messi. That would be the thing because it's difficult to communicate how brilliant John Charles was. His career was extraordinary. His ability was incredible. He was quite reasonably regarded as the best player in the world. You you could argue that there were other players as good. It would be a debate. It would be like uh, Messi versus Ronaldo, which one is favourite. He would be in that conversation. And so to get him to come back to the second division was a, an enormous coup and a, a massive deal. Him going to Juventus in the first place had been European-level news. It's... Um, it's wonderful that his uh, the the transfer that took him to Juventus, acting as agent for him, was Kenneth Wollstenholme, the who was yet to have uh, recorded his commentary on the nineteen sixty six World Cup final, but was a a television celebrity, and all this stuff was uh, was involved, and in. it was always quite a the, the early sixties equivalent of a media circus where Charles was concerned. So him coming back to uh, sleepy old Leeds, it was a it was a way of really kickstarting a club that. Not, had been in the doldrums since the, the mid-50s. What's great about this is you think, hang on a second, sign in the best player in the world. We are absolutely thrilled about this. But no, not a Leeds, never bloody happy. It didn't really work out very well. The first problem was the cost. Leeds paid... How much? Paid £53,000 to sign him. And bloody, this is, uh, bloody hell. That's pretty much what the... There'll di- never be a higher transfer fee. That's pretty much what the directors were probably hoping, but also what they were saying, because... The club was already in huge amounts of debt, but when this opportunity came up... The hello, di- hello, Peter. The directors got together and said, we'll pay this personally. So it came out of the, the, the board's pockets. They put £53,000 down and gave it to Juventus, and we got John Charles. This being Yorkshire, though, they immediately said, right, we'll have that money back. So the ticket prices went straight up because they weren't prepared to take a risk on waiting for this money to come back. They wanted it that fee to be paid back straight away and it was going to come through the interest that John Charles would put on the, the gate, which is, you'd imagine, if the best player in the world is going to come and play at Leeds United of the Second Division, attendances are going to rocket. Just to pause for a second, because there are really interesting parallels with Ridsdale there, mortgaging off future gate receipts. It's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> Well, the the extra element that they that they added was not just to trust in future gate receipts and the extra attendances that, that would come, but also to put the prices up from seven pounds and seven shillings for a season ticket to ten pounds for a season ticket. Um, for context, because dates level stuff, shillings and pence are probably difficult. Well, it is. It's it's premier prices for premier football because Leeds and Charles football. You want to play Dun Charles prices? <laughs> I hope we get through this without <laughs> without basin. We'll save that for for later in the the, the era. Leeds had finished nineteenth in Division Two, so it was a very a very Bates level, and we were charging two pounds more than First Division Manchester United for tickets, and we were going to be the most expensive team to watch outside. London purely because we'd signed John Charles and the reaction well the fans weren't happy well Leeds United for the second home game of the season have put up the prices again from 25 bob and a pound for the stand 12 and 6 for the terraces 10 bob for the paddock and 7 and 6 for the ground now is John Charles worth 7 and 6 well I don't know but I think if we have to pay 7 and 6 he'll have to be very good 
John Charles isn't worth 7 and 6. There's better players than John Charles in the country. You don't pay 7 and 6 to see them play. No, I don't think so. I don't see why we have to double the uh, gate money just to pay £53,000 anyway. Definitely not. No working man can afford 7 and 6 to go and see a football match. I think it would have been much better for everyone concerned if they put a shulln on over the whole season. No, it's not worth 7 and 6. He shouldn't have been allowed back in the country to play football. It's not worth 7 and 6, and if Leeds United want the money back, they better put it up to about 5 bob and they perhaps get bigger gates then. But not at 7 and 6. There's no player worth that. Well, I think he's worth 7 and 6, but if they put 6 months for a match over this season, it wouldn't have been as noticeable. And then there'd be no comments. Which bit of Leeds was that recorded in? Because it sound the mixture of accents was incredible. It looks from the... That's a video clip that you find on, on YouTube. I think it's um, it's outside the art gallery. There does seem to be a lot of Geordies there. <laughs> there was sort of a... It sounded like a bit Teesidey, Geordie kind of, yeah. Although, thinking back, the uh, Leeds Steelworks team, where Leeds uh, began, they became Hunslet FC, which then became Leeds City, which became... Leeds United eventually, their players were all from Thornaby on Tees um, because nobody in Leeds was any good at football. So all the steel workers had come from Thornaby working at Leeds Steelworks. So there's a, you know, it's not far from here to, to Middlesbrough. And then the uh, the Scotsman who uh, who seems adamant that Charles shouldn't be allowed back in the country. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure on what grounds he should have been permanently deported. But interesting as well that um, Sean Dyche at the end, who... Uh, <laughs> Who was a, he's considerably older than the other people on this clip. When you see them, they're all quite young men, and he's he's older. And I think he he must have seen John Charles play in his prime, and he's the one person who says definitely worth seven and six, but that's too much money. Nobody's going to pay that money. But he he recognises that as a player, he is somebody you would pay seven and six for. Wonder what those men would think these days if you could show them that it's you know eighty quid to go in and getting at the Emirates. No working man can pay that. That there are no working men there. It's, <laughs> it's not meant for them anymore. That is crazy, is that? But, you know, touch of the Brolins about this, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, the next problem was, so Harry Reynolds was the, the chairman, and after putting up the season ticket prices and there being outrage about that, he doubled down, he put all the standing prices up by 150% as well. So when he did come back to play, there was hardly anybody there. The gates were low because Leeds had started with a, an away match and people had got their first sight of John Charles. And I don't know if, if what happened to him in Italy was sort of the same as then what happened to Thomas Brolin in Italy years later, but the slower pace of the game, um, although he was kicked all over the place, it wasn't as a physical battle like the second division was. And he used to spend his time, you know, at his own restaurant. There was all the pasta he could eat. He would be out carousing with film stars late at night and, in, and enjoying life while still being an absolute brilliant player in Serie A. The second division looked like it was a little bit too much for him. Are you trying to say that Turin would be preferable than Beeston? Well, it quickly became apparent that he was he was overweight, he was slow, he'd kind of... I mean, I'm rolling here. <laughs> this is John Charles. This is the great Il Gigante, the, the gentle giant, the great man. He'd lost the knack of playing in the helter-skelter world of British football and he couldn't score. He said he, he was staying up at night he couldn't sleep because he couldn't score. He'd never had a, a time in his career when he'd been through such a bad patch of form. They tried him at one point. They put him back into defence because he started off famously as a centre-half and then moved to a centre-forward. And in defence, he was absolutely brilliant because he could read what all the the other opposing strikers were doing. He knew every trick and he was still strong if he didn't need his pace for that. But the idea back then of paying £53,000 for a defender to deal with 
second division strikers. It would it would have been like signing Virgil van Dijk to come and play for you in Division Four because you know there's some pacey striker for Northampton Town is a risk. You you didn't need a, a strike a defender of that quality to stop second division players scoring. So it became a a massive problem and. Yeah, the the word went went around that not only is it seven and six if you want to go and see John Charles play, but he's rubbish. That's a shame. That is a shame. What did they do then? They offloaded him. It's actually one time when the Leeds board, considering they'd made a massive mistake here and a huge PR disaster with the, you know, you've got a BBC reporter in the middle of the city finding six people slacking the club off for how much they're charging. But within two weeks of him playing his first game, they'd started putting stories out in Italy, going to the papers and saying that John Charles is uh, basically wants to come back, that life in England wasn't the way he remembered it. And there was an element of truth. I think although him and Peggy had longed for the, the home comforts of Beeston when they'd been living in Italy and had this ideal that they would raise their children back home, the rain, it was cold, it was winter, <laughs> And Italy suddenly started to look, um, and there they had holiday homes on the coast. That the Agnelli family ran Juventus and still do, as far as I'm aware, and they own Fiat. So there's, you know, a new car every year. Um, the thing with uh, with Juventus was he actually took a pay cut to leave Leeds. He was being paid a pound less, I think, a month or a week. But the bonuses were incredible, so the, the the benefits he would get from being over there. And they missed they missed all that and they realized that football wasn't working out. And so the the Leeds board, yeah, they were they were spreading stories in the Italian press saying it's not working out for John Charles in, in England. And uh, and Roma seeing an opportunity to take a player who I don't think Juventus would ever have sold John Charles directly to Roma, but they came in and they bid sixty five thousand pounds. So we actually made a what's that a tw- 65 minus 50 a 12,000 pound <laughs> a 12,000 pound profit on a deal that because that money wasn't coming back off the ticket prices we were actually toying with the idea of bankrupting Leeds United if the uh, the directors had no other way of getting their cash back for this enormous transfer fee that they just paid out and he did he, he was better in Roma he cracked on better in Serie A and, uh, and did well over there he, he was coming into the uh, the end years of his career by that point, ended up he did he, he had some time. Did he go back to Cardiff after this? He did, and um, and he had a, a non-league team as well. Who I can't remember. There's some incredible photos of him in the changing rooms of that club, where he's he's clearly a lot older than anybody else, but just looks so much stronger and fitter, even if he wasn't peak condition. So it did all work out okay in the end. But when you started off saying the idea of, of never go back, there is a there is a, it's one of the first warnings from history. If you were going to liken it to a player coming back, it would have been, it's like re-signing Lee Chapman on loan <laughs> in 1995 when he just got immediately sent off. Um, for, uh, got an assist first. He did get an assist first. And Charles, you know, he did, he did, have, uh, he did have that one game in defence, but, but it wasn't to be. With this in mind though, and bear in mind he has retired, should we still sign Becchio? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this one. If you want to get hold of Moscow's book, you can buy it on Amazon. The audiobook, as you've heard the excerpt from there, is available right now via Audible. And if you want a signed copy of the book, personalised, great Christmas gift, thesquareball.net forward slash book. We'll be back with another little instalment of this mini-series in a bit. Thanks for listening. See you in a bit. The Squareball Podcast. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.